touching the ground, presence. We call it the ground of truth. But uh, satya comes from the word sat, which means to be. So in a way it's being, truth, presence. In English you have to use two or three words to get the fullness of that. It's not truth, conceptual truth. It's the truth of actual being, being truth. And touching the ground and touching to the ground of this here. It's like this now. And uh, talk about unconditional acceptance, even of the debris and the damage. It's through that we don't just keep bouncing off our fear and cynicism and bitterness or sorrow and reacting it in more stories and more projections about other people in the future and myself just don't keep reenacting it yes yes it's there but it's not to dismiss it it's not to just keep re-potentizing that beneath that where that lands where all that sits right in there right on that ground of suffering underneath that through that yeah, in the deep ground so we're actually not in primary senses we're not primarily suffering suffering, stress whatever you want to call it is conditioned by avijja, ignorance or not seeing or being obscured or being taken away from or losing ground and so we touch that realm of suffering and we bounce, we jump up to get off it and that's the normal pattern for beings and the jump is tanha craving to find ground craving to find being craving to be something let me be sure let me be proved of let me be happy let me be successful let other people not hurt me let me be safe let me be yeah. and so we jump up and all kinds of triggers that can do that to us. Tanha, primary thirst to be something, to be something. Maybe not a thing. That's the, that's the essence of it. Chitra is not a thing. It's a boundless, measureless quality of truth, of presence, of being, of awareness. So, not a thing at all. Because yeah. uh, suffering and avijja and tanha, craving, tanha, avijja, obscurity, obscuration, fog, cloud, not seeing it, that obscures the ground <coughs> of being, so we bounce and we jump up. Or the jump throws, throws our awareness up into a very strange world. It's not strange, it's actually quite familiar. Samsara. And we take form within Samsara. Craving to be, 
you know, well, it would be something, at least of something, uh, something that acts and does and dodges and weaves and does deals and gets what it wants and tries to get this and tries to avoid that and, you know, keeps going. And it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. So you, you know, and as you begin to, you know, chitta is still there, you haven't lost it. Bounce out of it, jump out of it. Is the thirst to jump out of it, but we're never completely 100% ignorant. There's always a glimmering, you know, and, and that kind of primary light of being still says, Wait a minute, you know, I've done this 50 times. I do this 10 times a day, it doesn't get there, does it? I did this with her, I did this with him. I said, let's do it work, I didn't get that. I went there to do it, have it, didn't get it there. Something wrong, something wrong. <laughs> so, you know, your awakening is the awakening, first awakening is the dukkha. This is called the noble truth, because awakening to this is, you know, first glimmering of this wasteland that uh, we build a house on. The wasteland, some of you may be familiar with Elliot's poem, The Wasteland, and it's a reference to an old <coughs> Medieval story, the story of Parsifal. So this was back in the 12th, 13th century. And so it's a very long story. But essentially, there's certain themes in it. One is the innocent, naive, ignorant young young man who you know, seeks daring do, seeks. Uh, success, prowess, heroism and so forth is attracted by that and enters this strange wasteland where it's so bleak and there's some strange disease that nobody understands and and the thing he forgets to do from his ignorance is ask this sick, decrepit leader how are you? What's happening? He forgets compassion. He just sits and watches. He gets to enter, to touch, suffering, you could say. And so because of this, he keeps going. And goes through various trials and tribulations and so on. Until he's actually the kind of conclusion of the many threads of the story to it, but he's actually, he's the most successful knight in the world. And he's still not reached the fullness, the potency, still something wrong. And the story goes, he's eventually meets this other knight, who is a strange creature, and his, his skin is mottled black, and white. He's like this, 
wholeness. Don't combine it. That's combine You all know about skin. This is a really interesting paradigm, isn't it? There's a wholeness of all these elements, and this night defeats it and offers it mercy. And this night turns out to be his brother, who he'd forgotten. Yes, you know, and then the race, wasteland is, is redeemed. It's in masculine terms. But essentially, you know, we seek to be the perfect, perhaps, the clean, the straight, the bright, the successful. No, it doesn't come from there. It comes from something more whole, tender, ferocious quality of jitter. is all of it. Now when we touch ground and we're beginning I sense, you know, there is that you know session coming to that, certainly feeling more grounded, more complete, more expanded myself. What, there's no rising. Uh, it's a sign of, of nature, of Dhamma returning, and its sign, its quality is called Sattva. And the translation of that is faith, you could say aspiration. Uh, it's not a, ter- a, a driven state, it's not a you've got to state, it's an aspiration. And it's first of all, it's wordless. It's just a sort of gathering of potency and a sense of mm, you're coming from the ground now. Nature is coming through. It's green tips. It's a rising of you don't quite, haven't got words yet, but it manifests as it comes into fruition as confidence and unshakable resolve. This is emblemized by the what's called the Abhaya Mudra, or this raised hand of the Buddha. This, this hand raised with the palm out is considered to be the sign of the Buddha's action, engagement in samsara. That sense of fearless resolve and from this recognizing the vigor the strength coming from that faith quality that aspiration qualities it firms up it's like the green tips breaking through the cement and through that the broken ground actually life breaking up coming up through that and the sense of something that will not stop will not hold back it's called the unshakable, the imperturbable resolve. And so this is that particular mudra, and it's the mudra of, of 
fearless uh, action. An action. So this is what begins to touch into a second potency that arises is called virya energy. Energy starts as the sparking of can, 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 want to, can, can, want to, yeah. You know, we don't quite know what, so, but it's got a specific touch to it. Wants to apply, wants to stop messing around, wants to get to the point. Doesn't know quite know what it is yet. So it's a sense of the sadhana is a gathering, the sense of you have potency. There is the green light rising, yeah. and it searches now. Virya, that energy comes in. I want to put it somewhere. That up is just messing around with it. It's a specific application, and this is uh, where, of course, we can come out doing this. In meditation, say action, I don't necessarily mean physical or verbal action. Essentially, it's the action arises properly, most appropriately from the jitta called intention. Intention. So you just you know, nurture that intention, let the potency arise, and you begin to see where, where you need to do business. You don't waste time going off into theories and projects and stuff. You see where you need to apply virya energy. Sadhana virya. And this uh, seeks, it seeks, it wants, give me a frame, give me a point, give me a reference point so that I can get to work. This is framing up is called mindfulness and sati ability to frame up something, this is point. This is the area, this is the topic, this is the theme, this is the mood, this is the body, this is the breath, this is this, let's get in here. Because in a way, samsara is holistic, it's in the microcosm, and it's in the macrocosm. It's in one tight muscle in your body, it's in your breathing, it's in the world around you, it's in the way you speak to others. It's in how you see others. It's everywhere. So you can, this just be just, yeah, it's everywhere, but where can I actually work? It could be just in that locked place in my solar plexus. Yeah. By and large, what's often recommended to get to the point, you know, to not get lost in the narratives, is to come into your body. So the mindfulness of body. And I'm mean, trying to encourage, I'm sure you know, you may be finding your way with that, is the somatic body. That is the body that experiences itself in itself. Not the body that we see with our eyes, not the body that we, we kind of carry around in our minds, in pictures and images. The visual body, which is one particular reference point that has very limited use. Some use, but for meditation, not much use. That, that can be a complete distraction. This is where you get lost in surfaces. So, but say within this, 
there is a somatic body, that is a body that knows itself. It knows its pressure, it knows its warmth, it knows its rhythms, it knows its spaciousness, it knows its contractedness, it knows its looseness, it knows its tension, it knows its spasms, it knows its release. It knows itself. And it doesn't need your head to know it. It doesn't need your thought to know it. It speaks, and then you listen, and then you get the thought. Well, that's that. And sometimes you don't get the thought. You still listen, it speaks, and what's that? Don't know. Okay, just bear with that. And it can, it can happily, as long as you stay tuned into it, uh, with the right kind of awareness, and the right kind of intentionality, and the right kind of viveka, disengagement from samsaric patterns, it's going to kind of begin to sort resolve itself. And sometimes it resolves itself, then, oh, that was that. Then you understand. But the thought is of two kinds. One is just that willingness to point, where's that in my body? How does that feel? It's called Vitaka. And the other aspect is called Vichara, which is the ability to, hmm, how is that? How is that? How is that? So Vitaka is the pointing finger, Vichara is the open palm, point, how is that? Hmm. And this is what, of course, Parsifal didn't do. <laughs> he didn't say, how is that? He said, hmm, look at that. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with me. You know? So he never really got through until you know, this kind of holistic quality came to. So, you know, how is that? And if you can't find words for it, it doesn't really matter. But recognizing language is secondary. What's primary, more primary in terms of cognition, it's called perception. Perception in concept. Concept is the language, it's abstract. You can carry it around, you can write it on paper. You can say loving kindness, there it is on paper. Yeah. You get the idea. You can say enlightened wisdom, write it on paper. You can say be mindful, write it on paper, stick it on notice boards, whatever, be mindful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can do so much stuff. Concepts. Concept doesn't do anything unless it's translated into an actuality and the translation is through perception. Perception means you get it, it lands, it resonates. Mm. Mm. And sometimes perceptions arise with no language. Sometimes they arise with imagery. You see the Buddha, you see space, you see beauty, yeah. You hear a kindly voice. Uh, you know, it's just a very immediate perception arises, and oh, something moves you. As I said, you know, Buddha himself moved by the recognition of old age, sickness, and death. Very simple concepts profound perceptions, stirring, creating some urgency. And the fourth sign 
as the, the yogi, the gone forth person, mm-hmm. the seeker. Ah, is that too? So these perception signs in our world, and they're triggering. So perceptions. And so often when you're just experiencing your own embodiment, because it's perhaps more useful to talk of in this frame of reference as embodiment rather than just the outward appearance of the body, the body in as it knows itself. As it said in the sutta, knowing the body in the body, body in its own terms. This is what it means. And the body knows itself. And then there's always get it language. It feels like a kind of powerful or tense or spasming or watery or earthy. And some primary qualities we wish that can be made cognizant to vichara. There's earthiness, firmness, rigidity, could be hard, could be too hard, it could be just pleasantly firm. Earth. Water, cohesive, flowing, all-embracing, that which everything can be accepted into. Water, something that the whole body is actually water and things felt in one part of the body can ripple through the other through other parts of the body. And often a strong resonances between the upper body and the lower body. Mm-hmm. When you sense this you begin to recognise the way that you hold your face can be affecting your stomach and vice versa. It's not the visual form is deceptive. Yeah. In a way, you know, when you look at like you look at a little embryo or fetus in a womb, it's all curled up, and the head is right down, wrapped around the belly. Mm-hmm. Something that remembers that wholeness of that original form before it unfolded. So very often in somatic terms, the lower body and the upper body are still enfolded within each other. So it doesn't really matter you know, where you, where you locate it in anatomical terms, but you, know, you sense the resonances of tightness in your forehead will affect everything. So this wholeness of the body, you want to actually get the full body, recognizing anything, any tightness anywhere is going to resonate across the whole field. This is the nature of the water element. Similarly, any release is going to resonate through the whole field. So, you know, just even softening attention in your jaw can have profound effects for the entire experience of your body, and that resonates into your chitta, and you feel a sense of, oh, oh, that was the sense I had to do something. You know, then you get some conceptual thing that comes out of it. That was a sense of I've got to make it work. That's what it was. And it just stuck there in your body. So your body carries these patterns, chitta patterns and chitta patterns, which present themselves 
in your body. On the level of intelligence, the somatic and the chitta or mirrors of brothers or sisters of each other. So, you know, nothing is to be dismissed or neglected. But carrying it within the frame of the body means there's less potential to to spin out. And spinning out is is puncture or projection, conceptualization, where we run into a world of theories and ideas and the world of our mind, of our, frankly, our samsaric stuff, our wasteland starts to be presented around us as three-dimensional realities called the future, the past, myself, and other people. If you stay with any of them longer conceptually, you know what samsara is about. Actually, the resonances is the anxiety, is the expectation, is the dread. That's the future. Things I've got to achieve, got to make it work. Will I succeed? How will I be? That's the future. That's the resonance. There's nothing out there. There isn't a future. Here's the regret, here's the nostalgia, here's the good old days, here's the why did I have to do that? Um, that's, that's called the past, and that's regret or nostalgia. There's no past. If it's past, it wouldn't be here, would it? What there is is this experience creating past, future. Other people. She hates me, she loves me. He's like this, they're like that. Everybody does this. Where are they? Where are those people? If there are other people, how come they can speak so convincingly in your own heart? They're out there, they're not out there. They're in here. Myself. Who's that? How can you know yourself? You're either being yourself or you're thinking about yourself. When you think about yourself, you've created one. In being, in sat, in being, in such a... You don't need to create, there's no need to create one because there is. <laughs> Jitta is just unfolding. And yet, the, the thirst to become firms up into here I am. You know, it creates this shadow. And when we look at it, no, what's there? Here's, it seems so convincing because it acts as a driver. And it, has anybody got really a good one they're totally satisfied with? And yet that's the driver. You recognize it's moody, it's frightened, it's driven, it's compulsive, it's guilty, 
This is your driver. <laughs> Where do you think he's going? She's going to. <laughs> the wasteland. Full <laughs> speed ahead. Into speed <laughs> uh, Viveka, you know, her intention of Viveka is just, ooh, step back. Get off that channel. And really, Jitta doesn't move in terms of space or time, it moves in terms of karma and the unresolved karmic potentials. These activities, these compulsive activities that we barely see as activities because the jump is so quick that we don't even know it's happened because there we are in the wasteland. But we don't know how we got here. We thought this is reality. And so you kind of try and tidy it up. A few positive plants in there. <laughs> Different. You know. It looks kind of green now. Spin the Aspidistra in the corner, wherever it is. Dance on it. So the jump is so immediate, perhaps we don't even recognise it. Till, you know, with some framing up, some something, you get a sense of, well, this spasming leaps out of the rhythm of nature. And here where mindfulness of breathing is such a such a boom because there you've got something that you can track. You can attune to something rhythmic and flowing. And it's one expression of real time. Where real time can change. It can be fast, it can be slow, but it always swells and it's rhythmic. It's a pulse, it's a tide, it doesn't jump. It may swell quite quickly. Because it says it doesn't actually leave the ground. So there can be energy and vigor and joyfulness, and, yeah, but it's still the ground. Yeah. There's still the loss of, there's no panic, there's no anxiety, there's no got to get it done. Um, there's that rising of energy. Mm. And this is real time. Mindfulness breathing gets you in touch with real time at the, at the level of, we might say, the natural ease. Because that's where so many of us have to come in, so stressed. But it comes to natural joy, joy of giving, natural warm-heartedness. Yeah. But mindfulness breathing primarily begins with the natural ease of the given. Just receive the gift. Keep the hand open, receive the gift. Sensing that. Beauty of this is that once you get that, you really know the jump as a jump. Because suddenly there you are out into doing your tax returns. Wow, how did I get here? I was breathing a minute ago. That was quick. A good minute or two of doing tax returns or, or something. Mm. Where are they? Yeah. Hang, pause, breathing in. Uh, breathing out. Yeah. Or into somewhat more grisly uh, narratives or just endless spooling with thoughts. So he's tracking them. Okay, great. Now you know it. Now you know the jump. Don't get into blaming, criticizing. Now you know the jump. It was so quick, 
we hardly noticed it. So the moment when you recognise you've jumped into your script, your narrative, the future, the past, myself, other people got to do, going to make it work hard, never will do, shouldn't be, ought to, pause. This is called heedfulness, upamada, pause, viveka, wine, soften. Just get off the track. So, so first intentionality might be just to be vigilant, just to have that heedfulness to pause. Uh-huh. Intention then, get off the track. Widen, soften, viveka, just withdraw from that track, from that, and then another intention, because you begin to see with discernment, this is going nowhere, I've been here 50 times this week, it just takes me to this tangled up mess. So that's banya, some discernment, and then from there, discernment, remembering is the gift. Let's return to this. This is kind of the ongoing, you know, meditation theme, isn't it? But do remember the pause and the viveka. Just that moment we soften wine. Because it's so easy for us to just, as we notice we've drifted off, to jump down another track of, oh my goodness, this is difficult, can't do Everybody else is doing fine, I can't do it. It's such a, I've been doing this for 10 years, I still can't control it. It's just a crazy monkey. I think, you know, perhaps I should do something else, or therapy, or man, or just, I can't, I just, I just can't do this, I'm probably going to be failure. No, yes, he's doing fine, but she's sitting like a rock. <laughs> so he's jumped down another sansaric track, who I am, other people are, this is never going to work for me, I've always been like this, let's face it, uh, and then, you know, you deeply, you know, written the contract for samsara again. So really pausing, come back to real time, subsides into reading and reading out. Yeah. So it senses the process of sati, mindfulness, and retaining that frame of reference, restoring that frame of reference every time it it drops out, you restore. And actually, what is a suitable frame of reference? Maybe this one needs to be expanded a little bit, adjusted a little bit. When this process is more settled, and if it appears a time it does get settled, what arises or what becomes possible is called samadhi everything starts to collect and gather. And the practice here is one where we begin to tap into nature, into the greenness, into the fruitfulness, into the, that which is nourishing us, its skillful deeds, good intention, warm-heartedness, and all that is potentially the chitta is becoming drawn and centred around breathing and out, breathing in the body. 
as the jitta domains and the body domains merge. So just as we cultivate sila, virtue, morality, non-abusiveness towards others, we also maintain towards our own mind as we're breathing and breathing out. Yes, okay, let's stop that, put that down, stop the hatred, complaining, criticism, stereotyping, and mm, come back to the honouring, respecting, uh, breathing and breathing out. So, seal is not separate from mindfulness of breathing. Renunciation is not separate from mindfulness of breathing. Yeah, I could go here, yeah, I could go there, I could do this, that could be interesting thing to think about. Just not, not now, not now, not now. Enough, not now. That's also, every time do you do that, then you're cultivating renunciation internally, and the fruits of that are part of mindfulness of breathing. So in this way, just these are very outline sketches of how all the fields of jitta and body intersect, interact, and as they merge, you get an experience called samadhi. They blend and merge. As you breathe your truth, as you breathe your kindness, as you breathe your simplicity, as you breathe your directness, as you bring that quality more and more into embodiment, you know, the body and the jitta know where they're getting the food and they start to resonate and they become very warm and happy. <coughs> this is the happiness called born of Viveka, of getting it off the track, getting out of the wasteland and then redirecting. So this is what dispels the five hindrances and all that, which we'll go into now. And just to bear in mind, just to defame this terrible word, because so often when we come into our, our language, samadhi means I must concentrate. I can't, the means I can't concentrate. But I have to concentrate to get anywhere if I can't do it. So let's try harder and sort of squeeze it a bit to get down to this one little point. You know, somewhere, in my nose maybe. You know, whatever gets you there. But um, this is, the Buddha didn't say any of this. There's no mention of points of noses, of, you know, no mention of concentrating. Uh, Samadhi is not a verb, it's a noun. You don't do Samadhi, you enter it. And the process of entering it is called jhana. Jhana is an even more terrifying concept because it means, wow, you know, you know, who's going to ever get there? You've got so much samadhi. How much samadhi do you have to get to, to get into the first, second, third jhana? You know, none, two, three, four, I'm going first, halfway to first, one half, <laughs> quarter of jhana, nowhere jhana. You know, wow, well, head goes crazy on that one. And right behind it comes the good old inner critic, ever, ever faithful to back, beat you up once more time, one more time, just a good measure. 
mechanistic called the concentration demon, samsaric um, demon. But uh, fortunately, the Buddha didn't teach that. Uh, he did teach absorbing, which means just take in, soften, and absorb all qualities of goodness, virtue, renunciation, simplicity, harmlessness, and that enrich your chitta till it becomes soothed, confident, happy. Lays down the cudgel. He stops jumping. Absorb all the qualities of your body as it begins to relax and soften. Take all that in. All of it. Include it all. Absorb it like a sponge. Sit with it a long time. Walk with it. Take it in. Receive the gift. Then, your chitta will be satisfied and happy. And happy chitta settles, is composed. This is samadhi. <coughs> Enter <coughs> through the process of absorbing. You know, and then phew, somebody else can figure out what label they want to put it. But you just know you feel happy, comfortable, and things are going quiet and simple, peaceful. And you're not out of body, but you're not stuck in some sensory condition. You're in an energy body that becomes quite bright, quite soft, quite luminous, quite gentle, quite supple. That's what you want. And from this, Anya, discernment, we begin to see this is the true, this is the beautiful, this is the good, this is the true. And it's not the person, it's not the self, there's no need to make something out of it, there's no need to become something out of it. Just, you know, put all that sangsaric energy away. The side doesn't go anywhere useful. And this Called the, you know, the railroad tracks are called uh, some some car, are constructed, and when you leave Banya, we recognise we don't need those tracks because we're already home here. It's not person, not self. Doesn't have to form into anything solid. It's just a beautiful quality, and it allows this clear Banya to know, to understand, to get it. And also to get, understand how you lose it, what are the voices that take you out of it, and how you return to that ground. And richness that comes from it. And every time this you touch that momentarily, a second, for a minute, to some degree, the sadha increases. You know, the arising increases. The fearlessness increases. The imperturbable, that quality of sadha. And the virya increases. 
the energy increases. So this is where you know effort comes from energy, not before it. That energy is then joyful effort, joyful application, specific relevant points. These are five Sadhavriya Sati Samadhi Panya. These are called the five Indriya. Indriya, the word comes from Indra, who is the warrior, the leader of the celestials. So it's considered to be the, the guardian, you know, the strong one, one who has authority. And these are the spiritual Indriyas. So they give us authority over samsara, authority over the host of Mara, and they begin to take out, you know, the wasteland, the concrete, and the broken glass, and the shattering, and just start to clean it out. And then nature comes through, every time it comes through, the injuries feed on it and get stronger, get stronger, get stronger. So there's a kind of process whereby we may potentize any of those at any time and a little bit comes through. And we don't get the full set in one shot. But you're likely to get bits of it. And the first one that comes through is the arising of Satana. Yes. I want it's a kind of arising urge. And then gradually with that comes the potentizing, I can do this point. Those are the first two leaders. Framing up. Stay with this frame. This is what you need to work right now. Work with this rainbow sanctuary. It's holistic. If you work with any area, you know, whether it's emotional, somatic, you know, any area you work with, in truth, in terms of truth, satya is going to affect the whole pattern, the whole model of samsara. Mm. <coughs> so, in a way, what we said, well, you know, the advice of the Buddha is begin with, with the body because this is your simplest and your most direct avenue to rich ground. Semantic body where the green stuff's going to start coming up, and it's often non conceptual, so you, you, you avoid that, that uh, potent that potential to, to go theoretical about it all. And through the sustaining meaningful frame of reference, then the hindrances poisons begin to be first checked, cut off, mm -hmm. the natural gathering of fruitful heart energy composure begins to collect, you absorb it, samadhi. As you absorb that you know what it is that's been absorbed, and you know what's been left behind, and you start to know how to, to really how to practice. These are your leaders. From the wasteland 
rewarding. Thank mm-hmm. you.